What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. This episode of the Up Before You podcast is brought to you by Ticket Weirdo. With concert and game season just around the corner, the timing is perfect for those of you listening who want to plan your summer events. We've teamed up with Ticket Weirdo to make buying tickets this season super affordable. What's great about Ticket Weirdo is they are the only ticket site that doesn't charge you hidden service fees and also donates a portion of your purchase to charity. Check them out by simply going to TicketWeirdo.com and typing in code UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off unlimited ticket purchases throughout the year. Once again, that's UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off your ticket purchases and to keep it weird this summer. Now guys, if you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave a 5-star rating and a review. It only takes a second and is a great way to support the show, and the feedback means a lot to me. If you like this episode of the podcast, please share with family and friends and share via social media and make sure to tag Up Before You. And lastly, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up to date with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. Okay, my guest today is Sean Woodland. Sean co-hosts the podcast Talking Elite Fitness and is the play-by-play man for many CrossFit events. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about Sean's career in hockey growing up, becoming a father, getting into sports broadcasting, how he found CrossFit, the story behind how he got the job at CrossFit HQ, some of the big moments from his days working at HQ. We then talk about his Talking Elite Fitness podcast that he co-hosts with Tommy Marquez, his take on the future of the sport of CrossFit going forward, a hypothetical offer from ESPN, and much, much more. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And with all that being said, let's get on with the show. All right, so Sean, you recently became a father. Yes, I did. (laughs) What is that like? How does that feel? Uh, It's awesome, man. I love it. I mean, it's uh, it's it has definitely come with a with a lack of sleep. I mean, uh, Max, my son, just turned a week old yesterday, Mm -hmm. so uh, still you know, dealing with that. And my wife is kind of bearing the brunt of it right now because, uh, you know, she's the one feeding him all the time. So it's, uh, you know, we're up at every hour at night. She is especially, um, but it's been awesome, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, every time I got to change a diaper, I'm like, I get to change a diaper. This yeah. is so cool. <laughs> I actually have a son. Um, but it's, uh, it's weird, man. It's, it's, uh, it puts a lot of things that my parents used to do and say into perspective uh, you, you, you can hear people say things to parents and, and or say to parents say things to their kids and, and you understand what it means. I mean, you get what they're saying, but you don't really get it when, you know, when you're, when your parents say something, you know, I'd give my life for you and yeah, okay, I get that. But when you experience it on your own, you're like, Oh, okay. That I, all right. Now I understand. Now I see why they are the way they were. So it certainly has put uh, a lot of things in perspective from when, you know, I was growing up and some of the things my parents did that I certainly didn't understand. And now I have a a new appreciation for those. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's super cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been a journey, but we're uh, we're super happy right now. So up to this point, you only had you have like a couple rescue dogs, right? But no other. Kids. I have three dogs. Yeah, yeah. three dogs and, and no kids. Um, and uh, yeah, we we you know we didn't think actually you know we didn't know if we we're going to be able to have kids. Um, and uh, we we did uh, IVF, and it wound up working. I think on the third try. So, which is kind of like going to be our last try too. Wow. And so it's been great. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, and that's why you know, I'm trying to, with all the <laughs> lack of sleep and getting up in the middle of the night and doing all that and having my routine interrupted and, you know, not getting in the gym as much as I would want right now. I'm just, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like yeah. I, I try to you know, think about the alternative and, uh, uh it's, a. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. So can we take this thing all the way back? And can you tell me a little bit about yourself growing up, uh, like some sports you played, <laughs> sure. where you grew up, stuff like that? Yeah, I so I was born in Long Beach, California. And then my parents uh, relocated to Sacramento when I was probably a couple years, less than two years old, I think, about what, a year and a half. Where is Sacramento in California? Sacramento smack dab in the middle. I feel uh, like it's, it's capital city. I feel like it's the forgotten city of California. It is because it's <laughs> it's uh it is to the east of San Francisco in the Bay Area. I mean, I'm in San Jose, which is south of San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of the stop between the Bay Area and Lake Tahoe. <laughs> okay. But it was a it's a great city. Uh, I grew up in the suburbs, a little town called Carmichael, which is uh, uh, you know, near Fair Oaks, and if you know anything about Sacramento area, Citrus Heights area there. Uh, and it's you know, a little, little suburban neighborhood. It was a great, great neighborhood. I grew up in, I, my parents still live there. 
Uh, they actually moved out and then moved back and they live now across the street from the house in which I grew up, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, there were kids everywhere. You know, all the families had kids. We were all playing in the streets, you know, and, you know playing football and riding bikes. And, uh, you know, I walked to school. It was like four doors down from where I, I lived. We had a huge like wooded area that we could get to and ride our bikes. It was, it was like a looking back on it. It was a uh, it was a really cool place to grow up. Like I really appreciate it now uh, when I when I go back and visit my parents. Um, yeah, but I played, uh, you know, like any kid growing up, I played soccer when I was young, played little league baseball. Uh, got into, you know, when I got a little older, I, I found hockey when I was 13. And okay. I, I'd always been a fan, just never had an opportunity to play and loved it. Played football in high school, um, played a little bit in junior college, uh, and, you know, kept playing hockey. And that's, I still play now when I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'd always been into you know, working out and, and that kind of stuff, but it was the typical you know, Monday's chest and Tuesday's yeah. back, you know, that yeah. kind of thing until I found CrossFit later on. Yeah. So hockey in California, is that kind of weird? <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was super weird. Cause when I, my first introduction to hockey was really when I was super young, I was six years old when the miracle on ice happened. And that's my very first kind of memory of watching hockey. And I just was immediately, I remember six years old going, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I really want to play the sport, but you know, growing up in in Sacramento at the time we had, uh, there were two ice rinks and neither of which was very impressive. And I remember my dad took me to see what I thought, you know, at the time at six years old was a professional game, but it was like probably a men's league game, some beer league game that they were having. Um, but I, I didn't care. I loved it. And well, I just didn't have an opportunity to play until about eight years later when I was in a sporting goods store with my mom and my brother. And we saw a flyer that was posted for, uh, the Sacramento junior ice hockey league. And I went, I want to do this. We looked into it. My brother and I both started playing and the rink we played in was probably about the size of the room I'm in right now. It was, it was made in the, it was built in the twenties. It was called Iceland and it's in the right outside downtown Sacramento. I think it actually is still there. It burned down, but I think they rebuilt it. it, I mean, it was like exposed pipes in the ice. They used to have to put cones down during the game because you couldn't skate there. The Zamboni doors were a total hazard. The boards were a death trap because they had, there was no glass on them. It was just like, the, the locker room was, you know, a locker room in name only. There, there was like a, a wooden shack that they built out back that you would go and change in. I mean, it was just a total disaster, but it was the only place we had to skate. Uh, and we loved it, man. It was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. We used to travel around the state playing, won a state championship in 91. Oh, wow. Or 92. I think it was 91. Uh, anyway, I was 17. So yeah, uh, it was fun, man. It was a great, it was a great experience. And I, love the sport to the day to this day and I'm, I'm glad that i had an opportunity to play mm-hmm. i wish i would have started when i was younger uh did you go on to play in college at all no just recreationally i played some roller hockey in college so i had there was a uh kind of a gap between my ice hockey experience from when i left high school to when i kind of got out on my own when i first moved to montana for my first job uh, i just played roller hockey because that got so big yeah especially out west huh. um yeah you know, i worked at a inline hockey rink coached a little bit and, and played, you know, like three nights a week. It was great because, it, you know, you didn't, obviously with the weather being what it is in California and other places in the country, you can go outside during yeah. the winter and you can skate. We couldn't do that. So when roller hockey got huge, I just kind of switched to that. Uh, and plus it was a lot cheaper. And then when you went to college, you went to college, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you kind of San Francisco State? San Francisco State. Did you, mm-hmm. uh, did you kind of know like, you wanted to get into like sports broadcasting and stuff like that right away. It, it, it's funny. Cause I started out as a film major cause I always loved movies and okay. I wanted to be able to, I wanted to like direct or, uh, you know, write movies. And I was really into that. And then I got there and I saw the crowd that was <laughs> in the film department. I, go, I do not want anything to do with any of these people. It was a, it was not my element. Um, and I just was kind of discouraged by it. And I started thinking about, well, what do I want to do? And I started looking around at the, the class listings that they had and they had a sports casting class. And I said, that sounds cool. And, yeah. and still I'm looking at this at the, through the, uh, the goal of getting, doing something behind the camera. Like I loved NFL films. Like I, I would, would have loved to have done camera work for NFL films because uh, I still had that. I want mm-hmm. to kind of make my own stuff type thing. And I went to the sports casting class. I signed up for it because San Francisco state, they didn't have like a TV contract or anything. They were, they're a division two school. So they broadcast and produced all their own sports broadcasts so on the local at the time. Uh, this is before streaming uh, local cable access channel. Mm-hmm. 
so we were able to in the sports casting class we were able to you know do soccer and volleyball uh we did basketball uh, baseball we would broadcast all this and we did it all on our own so it was a great opportunity for me to do i could i mean you could do whatever you wanted you could direct you could produce you could run graphics and it, it allowed anybody who wanted to get into the industry to really kind of figure out what they wanted to do and i remember we did this one thing where it was just trying to figure out who wanted to be on camera and we all kind of tried it and i i think we were actually in order to have something to talk about we were previewing a monday night football game okay giving our thoughts on that and i did it and the <laughs> professor was like hey you ought to you want to try doing you know play by play i said sure I'll, I'll give it a whirl um and that's kind of where it all started oh huh, that's awesome and you're a big yeah. sports guy right yeah love love sports how about, yeah how about that contract cbs just handed to tony romo i can't believe that <laughs> that is nuts man but i mean it just goes to show you that that uh you know how important broadcasting is in, in you know four networks it's still it's like how much money you can make because really it is still the only it's the only appointment television left sports Mm -hmm. you can you know people can dvr their shows and they can watch them whenever they want but when there's a sporting event going on you want to sit down and watch that live yeah and the commentators are a draw and you know tony romo's done a fantastic job well there's also some rumor that they want the espn wants peyton manning for 20 million or something i read that they wanted to i read that they're trying to trade Trade. (laughs) like i didn't even know that was possible i didn't know you could do that I think that's so, so awesome, though. Yeah. <laughs> but so then when you kind of got out of college, and you went into this career in sports broadcasting or what, whatever you got into right away. What was it? What did you think it was going to be like? And then what was it actually like? You know, I, I will give the Val Sakovich is the professor's name who ran that program at San Francisco State. And I give him a ton of credit because he prepared every kid who came through that class for what we were going to face when we got out into the real world. Uh it was made very clear that your first job is not going to be glamorous. You're going to do everything on your own. You're going to shoot, you're going to edit, you're going to write all your own stuff. And you're going to have to, you know, really just rely on your own skills to to get a job. And you're probably going to have to go to, like I did, Kalispell, Montana for your first job. You're going to have to go to a small market to do that. Uh, So when I got out of school, I graduated in the winter. So I graduated in December of 96 uh, I just started, I mean, I had had an internship at what was then sports channel Bay area and it is now Comcast sports Bay area. Uh, I had an internship there. They let me make a resume tape on their set. So I did that and I just started firing it out to people. And this was the, again, before the internet blew up. So there was a service called media line that you would subscribe to, you would call it and then they would list all the jobs that were available. And I would just start, you know, I'd write down the sports jobs that are available and I just fire out tapes and, the first one, the first and only one I heard from was uh, Kalispell, Montana, KCFW Televisions, the NBC affiliate up there, northwest corner of the state. Uh, they were looking for a guy to, to to do sports, and that's what I wanted to do. And uh, it was funny because you know, growing up in Sacramento, you know, I had no concept of what you know, kind of small town Montana was like. I, my mom was from a small town in Iowa, so I had experienced that a little bit. But this was like super small. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they they hired me. And I remember I had to drive up there, you know, cause I had to move all my stuff. And I remember the, uh, I, I was talking to Steve Fetvite was the news director's name at the time. And he was giving me directions on how to get there because again, no, you know, map quest or anything like that or Google maps. And he said, yeah, you, so you're going to take highway three to main street and then you're going to turn right on first. I go, okay, well, what exit do I take to get to main street? Cause again, California kid, when you're on the interstate, you take exits. Yeah. He's like, Oh no, no. Highway 93 just becomes main street. I went, <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, so it was an eye opener, but when, when I got there, I was, I felt like I was pretty well prepared for what I, I was going to face. Cause it was, you know, I shot all my own stuff. There were four high schools in the area. I covered primarily high school sports. Uh, you know, I edited everything. I, I, you know, planned all my own interviews. I really kind of just ran that department and it was just me. And it was fun because uh, after a while people get to know you as the sports guy, you know, and they're ha- happy to see you show up at their, their games and, and they love seeing you come out to their practices and talk to their coaches. And, you know, it, it taught me, like, it was really getting thrown into the fire. I mean, I'll never forget the first day I was there to, to start. <laughs> I'm sitting at my desk. There's, like, nothing there. I got, like, a computer, and that's it. And the news director comes in, Steve Fetlight comes in. He goes, how you feeling? I go, good. He goes, you ready? I said, yeah. And he goes, all right, and just walked out. <laughs> <I> went, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's how, you know, you just figure it out. So it was, it was uh, I thought, though, I was well prepared to 
because of my time at San Francisco State to deal with that. Yeah, I could see how that'd be really weird. Like California mm-hmm. kid ending up in wondering it was what am I doing in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're covering high school sports there then, and you end up uh, in Florida at one point. I did. So I got I worked in Kalispell, Montana for a year and a half. So okay. I started there in March of '97. And then in July of 98, I got hired on at uh, WTXL TV in Tallahassee, Florida, and got to cover Florida State, which was to me a huge step up. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and I got hired. So they, when the time I got hired, they, the, the station in Tallahassee was looking for both a sports director. So the guy that would be the Monday through Friday anchor, and that turned out being me. And they were also looking for a weekend anchor. And that turned out to be my friend Seth, who worked out, worked at, uh, a station in Bozeman, Montana, and we were part of the same kind of family of TV stations. So we would share material. So he and I moved down there basically together uh, to take this job. And he had graduated from Florida State. So that gave him a little bit of inside knowledge and knew some of the guys in the sports information department. But yeah, I worked in, so we worked in Tallahassee from 98 to 2000, got to cover the Seminoles the year they won the national championship when they beat Mike Vick in the Sugar Bowl. Um, And then I moved after Two, so July of 2000 rolls around and I got a job offer in, in Jacksonville at WJXT. The C, at the time was a CBS affiliate to be their weekend anchor reporter. Took that uh, and then I worked at that station for I think nine years. Wow. And then yeah. So, so in that I got indi- to cover some great stuff there. In that industry, do you just have to be willing and ready just to move? You do. And I think that's the main reason. I tell people this all the time. When I got out of college, I went to school with some guys who were a lot more talented than I was, but just didn't want to move. They just didn't want to go anywhere. They wanted to stay in San Francisco. They wanted to stay in the Bay area and that's why they didn't get a job and they really never had a chance. I was willing to go anywhere. I didn't care. I mean, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So when Kalispell, Montana came knocking, I went, all right, this is step one. And you, you know, going in, you're not going to be there forever. You know, going in, this is probably a year or two at most. Mm -hmm. And then you move on to the next thing. And that's really how, you know, the, the TV industry is, is that most people who are still in the local news world have had, you know, four or five jobs before the one they have now, and they've moved all over the country to do it. All right. So now how did you find CrossFit? What's the story there? So I found, I found CrossFit, the training methodology while I was working in Jacksonville. And the, one of the guys I worked with, uh, his wife was a personal trainer. And this was 2007. So this was the first year of the games. This is when CrossFit was barely a thing. And she was not certified or hadn't gone to a, an L1 or anything like that, but had found CrossFit as a, as a methodology and had, had started studying it, had started incorporating it into her training and training her clients. And, you know, I was a typical gym guy who did, again, you know, chest Monday and back and buys on Tuesday and tries and shoulders on Wednesday yeah. and leg day. And then, you know, played some hockey. And, yeah. uh, that was kind of my routine and I was just kind of got sick of it. And Matt, the guy I worked with, whose wife was starting to train some CrossFit said, Hey man, you should check out this CrossFit thing. I said, all right, well, what is it? He goes, well, you go to a website and they have a workout and you just, you just do that workout. That's your one workout for the day. I go, well, that sounds dumb. Like why would that? <laughs> yeah. Cause I looked at it and it was something like, I don't know, five, sets of five back squat. I go that, how am I going to get a workout from that? Um, and then I kind of just let it go. And then I got to the point where I said, all right, I I need to do something different. So I went in, I went into uh, his wife uh, for some training. I I signed up for some personal training, uh, sessions and she started kind of working in CrossFit. And I remember the first thing she had me do, like the first CrossFit workout she had me do after she taught me the basic movements was she just said, you're going to do 10 rounds of Cindy, not 20 minutes. You're just going to do 10 rounds. And it nearly killed me. I was yeah. like, this is impossible. How, how do people do this? This is, yeah. this is a whole new way of working out. And at that, like with that moment, I had, I figured out that I have been doing this wrong my entire life. And I was hooked at that moment. Right, right away. Oh yeah. I, I, this, I, I said, this is exactly what I have been looking for. It's, it's amazing how something like that, that makes you feel like you want to die like can hook you onto something. Yeah. Well, it's because you finally feel like you're working hard and that you're, you know, you were, uh, you're being pushed to the limits that you haven't pushed yourself before. Because when most people go into the gym, they don't get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You might strain at a lift, but through the set, through the hour and a half that you're there, you're never unable to carry on a conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And it was to the point where I was like, yeah, this is, this is how I should have been training for a long time. And I kind of was like, why didn't I find this earlier? And I was hooked. I mean, I just dove into it head first and tried to learn everything I could. I watched all the old, you know, early videos and yeah, I mean, and I immediately started seeing a difference. And at what moment did you kind of think maybe like you could get involved or like actually work at CrossFit? Did that ever cross your mind? That wasn't until the games in 2011. Okay. Um, so I, I left my TV job, got involved in the world of PR and advertising in 2009 Okay. And then moved back to California, moved back to Sacramento uh, in 2010 and went to the games as a fan in 2011. And I had watched like some of the update shows and things like that. I, I was aware of it. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to the games, I remember sitting in the, the crowd, and I think it was before the Killer Cage event. And I looked out on the floor and I saw you know, Roy McKernan and Miranda Oldroyd and I saw all these TV cameras and I saw ESPN mic flags and I, and this like light bulb went off in my head. I said, man, you got to figure out how to get involved in this. So this is perfect for you. You have the CrossFit background, you have a TV background. You need to figure out what you need to do to get your foot in the door. And so that was the first time that I, I really thought that I should try to do this. Um, and then, yeah, I just pursued it after that. And then how did you ultimately get the job? What, what happened? It's funny. When I got home uh, from the games that year, I sent a random email, like media at CrossFit.com, I think is what it was <laughs> at the time, and just listed out kind of what my TV experience and the events that I'd covered and things that I'd done and you know, how long I've been in the TV business and how long I've been training CrossFit and just said, hey, you know, if you guys are looking to expand or you, you need anybody, I'd be happy to help you out. Because at the time, I was still doing a little freelance work I'd done couple things for Comcast Sportsnet, like covered an A's game, covered the Stanford spring game. So I still had a foot in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this would be great if I could add this to it. And then January of 2012 rolls around and the gym where I was training at the time, CrossFit Stomping Ground in Fair Oaks, the guy who owned it at the time, Jake Neubauer said, Hey man, do you want to go get your L1? I'll pay for half of it. And then you can coach and then you'll just have a free membership. I said, hell yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> So they sent me to, I went to the University of Nevada, Reno to do my L1 and Pat Sherwood was one of the instructors. So during one of the breaks, I worked up enough courage to go talk to him. And I said, Hey man, uh, I'm just curious, how does one get involved in the media department? He, and he kind of said, yeah, you know, I kind of just lucked my way into it, but I know that they're, you know, they're always looking for help. And I told him kind of what I had done and what my background was and to Pat's credit, he said, Hey, give me your contact information. Here's my email. Send me your, your stuff and I'll make sure I forward it along. And a lot of the times when people say that to you, they're kind of just blowing you off. And so that's kind of what I figured was happening, but he certainly, he didn't do that. Pat got my stuff and forwarded it. And then I didn't hear anything until I want to say April of that year. Cause it was right before regionals were going to start. And I'm sitting at my desk at work, my PR job, my, advertising job Mm -hmm. and my cell phone rings and it's a number from las vegas nevada that i do not recognize so i said all right well i don't know who this is so i picked it up and it was rory mckernan so i immediately bolt out the side door (laughs) go downstairs (laughs) go outside to where i can take this call and rose says to me he goes hey man i've been meaning to talk to you for a while you know we've had your stuff since you know you emailed us back in august uh but we're putting a group of people together to go cover the central east regional because we're using it as a warm-up for our espn broadcast for the crossfit games in 2012 would you be interested and i tried to think of a word that was faster than yes and i just was like yes absolutely i'll do it whatever and not even (laughs) thinking if i could get the time off work i didn't care like i was going to make this happen one way or the other and he said okay you know have you ever done any play-by-play i said i did some in college but i haven't done you know, and I did a little bit like one, I did a rugby game one time in Jacksonville and that was it. I go, but yeah, I've done some. And, uh, he said, okay, well, we're looking for someone to do play by play for the women's competition at the central East Regional." I said, I would love to do that. What are the dates? Gave me the dates. I said, Great. Uh, so yeah, that was the first time that I had ever worked for them. They you know, flew me out to Columbus and, and we did the central East regional and then well, the rest is kind of history. Yeah. So what was that first, uh, kind of experience like for you going there and doing that? It was funny, man, because we, we showed up and there were, I was the only guy in front of the camera that they used who had any sort of TV background. Everyone else were, they were all CrossFitters who had been on the L1 staff or who had been doing their media stuff. 
but I was the only guy who came from the TV world who had a foot in both. And I remember showing up and they, it seemed like we had like 40 commentators because they did, they had a team for men, women, teams, and then they would rotate people in. And Mike Roth, who was the director and is still, I think the best CrossFit director out there. <laughs> he, uh, he was, he had a broadcast meeting. We all had a meeting. I remember. And Rothy, that's what we call him. And his, and the producer, Eric Barnhart were there. And, and I remember Barnhart said, all right, everybody, everyone who's a commentator, raise your hands and like 30 hands go up. And he just, he just looks at, uh, you know, <laughs> Rothy just looks at Barney and goes, Hey man, good luck. <laughs> Cause you know, no one knew yeah. it was just the biggest thing. No one knew what they were doing. And so I, uh, it was, it was kind of an eye opener for me because I realized that they were succeeding cross. It was in the media department through just a sheer force of will. Like there were some things that, you know, you, that they were doing that you just wouldn't do, uh, in a normal TV setting. Mm -hmm. And I just kept my mouth shut. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to go do my job and I'm they're hopefully going to like it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just remember it was crazy because Matt Chan was one of our commentators, you know, Josh Everett was there. <laughs> I mean, it's the first time I worked with Tanya Wagner. I think Bill Grundler was there. Yeah. Uh, Justin Judkins, Cherie Chan. I mean, we had all kinds of people and we pulled it off and it was great, but it was, it really showed me how they were very, very, very much in the infancy of what they were doing, but they did a good job of bringing some people in behind the scenes who kind of knew what they were doing who, and who could kind of keep things from going off the rails. So now looking back on your time at HQ, what are some of those like big moments that stand out to you that you have to cover? Oh man. Um, well, that was one of them. Yeah. The first time ever doing it was, was cool. Um, you know, I, I think I, I always loved the regionals and, and that, that weekend, the, especially when we got to the point where we were, we had a studio show that would sort of go around uh, the regional coverage. Cause it, man, we would show up at like, I don't know, 7am in the morning and we wouldn't leave till, you know, sometimes 730 at night and we work all day. And I loved mm -hmm. it. It was such a blast because, you know, you had so much action going on and, you know, you, you, all, all the eyes of the CrossFit world were on you and you could recap all this stuff. And just the, I, I remember the, you know, the people that I worked with there who were, who were so cool, like Pat and Tommy and Roe and our producer, Charlie Doobie and you know, Jonah Vello and all the, you know, even the, you know, the kids that we would bring in to be, you know, production assistants were great. But as far as like, you know, the big moments for me, I'm trying to think the, the 2012 games stand out because they were my first. Okay. And, uh, that's when I really, for the first time in my life, and I, and I remember the exact moment. Like I, it's, it's so clear. I was sitting in the booth getting ready for the event. And I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the double banger. And I remember looking out kind of my left and I see the kind of the spider cam swooping by. And I can, I know Nicki Minaj's Starships was playing. I can hear that song. And I just thought, <laughs> man, this is, this is it. This is like, this is where I am supposed to be. I, finally, I'm doing something that I feel like I was supposed to be doing. So I remember that, you know, I, of course, all the times that Rich Froning won, you know, you remember that, uh, and being able to be there for 2014 when he won his fourth, um, you know, I, I some of the, those events in the tennis stadium were phenomenal, especially at night, the uh, push pull will always be one of my favorite events where Josh Bridges won that legless was super cool. Um, you know, I camp Pendleton in 2012 stands out cause I think it was the longest day of my entire life. And just everything we had to do for that, uh, was crazy. And the fact that we pulled that off, you know, was was nuts you know like we had like a gator catch on fire we had i mean it was nuts so many so many things that went wrong did go wrong but we, <laughs> we managed to uh, get something uh out there to the people that was crazy um you know moving to madison yeah was was interesting because i don't think anybody knew how that was going to go there was a lot of skepticism about it because i can remember going to the alliant energy center for the open announcement that we had that year and there was nothing there at the time and we drove through and, and i was kind of thinking to myself yeah this isn't gonna there's no way they're going to pull this off. Uh, and they did. And it was fantastic. And the city was great. Um, you know, I think about 2015 when, when Ben Smith won the first one, that was, that was cool. Uh, Tia, Tia and Cara at, yeah. at the final event that one year is, is a moment that I'll never forget. Um, but yeah, there's just so many, so many great memories from that time. And really it's, it's, because I was able to work with such a good group of people, it, we were like a family and I, I'm still friends with all those guys and still keep in touch with them. And there was something really special about the group that got put together there uh, that made it just so much fun to go in every day. And so then CrossFit decides to cut the media, the media mm -hmm. department or whatever you want to call it. What we, we guys kind of shocked and kind of thinking like, we're just starting to scratch the surface of what we can do. Yeah, we were, so we knew 
going into the games that year in 2018, that regionals were going to go away. Okay. But what we thought was going to happen was that they would pick a couple of the, you know, events like the Dubai CrossFit Championship and Wadapalooza, these granite games, these established events that have been going on. They would sort of let them be the new regionals and keep the same season structure in place. So that's kind of what we thought going in. Okay. We knew there were going to be changes. Uh, then we got back from the games and then it was very clear that that it was going to be a lot more than that. I think two weeks or a week, I think it was just a week after we got back is when the first round of layoffs happened. And we were, yeah, we were shocked. I mean, it was, it, I'll never forget that day because there were people that you, know, you had worked with for so long who were all of a sudden just gone. And it was, there was like no warning that any of this was going to happen. And they kept some of the media department around at the time because we were working on the post-production shows that we were contractually obligated to deliver to CBS. So we had to finish those. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of questions after that first round of cuts happened that are we next? We didn't know what was going on. And to your question of, you know, we're just starting to scratch the surface when it was all said and done and, you know, we had left, that is still to this day, the hardest thing for me to come to terms with is that we were on the launching pad. We had arrived. We had a broadcast partner in CBS and CBS sports network who they were legitimately interested in helping us not only grow the sport, but also our, our media presence. They wanted go, you know, going into 2019, they wanted coverage of the open. They wanted coverage of the regionals and they wanted coverage of the games. So we thought, after 2018, when we had a regional co- uh, competition, the, the Atlantic Regional was on CBS, the network. Like that was huge. Mm-hmm. We never thought that would happen. When we left there, we thought, yeah, they're going to want to do this more. And they did. They wanted more of it. So 2019 for us was going to look like we were going to have open coverage on CBS and CBS Sports Network. We were going to have all three weekends of regionals on the network and on CBS Sports Network. And we were going to have even bigger coverage of the CrossFit Games, probably more network coverage of the CrossFit Games that we had in 2018. And when that got yanked away from us, that was the hardest part because that is what that goal and getting to that point is what we had all worked so hard to accomplish. And it's, you know, that will, that sting will always be there. Uh, Hopefully, we, I'm optimistic maybe that we can get back to that point someday, but to be so close and have that just taken away from you so quickly, that was the hardest part other than, you know, seeing, you know, seeing this family get disbanded. That was the hardest part of that whole thing. And then what were you guys all thinking? Like what's next? Like what, what were you guys thinking at the time? Yeah. I, you know, I think we were all, like, everyone was just sort of shocked. Like, you know, did no you, one knew. Did you ever think that your days covering CrossFit were completely over? No. Well, no. I, I take that back. I, so to start, when, when I first left, I was super discouraged. I was like, do I even want to do this anymore? Do, you know, do I, maybe I, I can get back, I can just freelance for other stuff. Because at the time I'd been, you know, I, I'd had some offers to maybe do some, some stuff uh, for some other sports, you know, freelancing. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that, you know, and, and I, because I, I didn't know where the sport was going to go. Like, I just didn't know what was going to happen. Like, was this thing going to work? Was this new structure even going to survive? Like, how is this? Given what we had, how is this going to be any better? So it, there was that grieving process, and Tommy talks about this a lot. And we had to go; we all kind of had to go through this grieving process. And Tommy left in October, so he had been out a couple more months before I had. My last day was December first of 2018, and I just didn't know what I wanted to do. But once I got over that, and once it you, you start talking, like Tommy and I started talking, and I started talking to guys that you know, I had worked with about maybe keeping this thing going, because at the time. So at the time there was a, uh, there was talk from IMG, the company that owns the UFC. Now they were in negotiations with CrossFit to take over all the media production and the CrossFit games. They had spoken to me about bringing me on board. Uh, they'd spoken to Tommy about getting him on board and they wanted to do this whole season of coverage that they would put on Facebook live and uh, they, they would be able to make it available to a wide audience. So there was, we we're thinking like, okay, if that's, if that's happening, if that is going to happen, how do we stay relevant so that when it, when it does happen, we're the guys that they want to bring on board. And again, they had been talking to us, but we just didn't want to disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of was the impetus behind some things like we tried to do inside elite fitness, that studio show that we did for uh, a little bit, we did through the open and I think a little bit through sanction season, but we just didn't have the resources to keep it going. It was, 
you know, people had to work and it was a, it was a huge time commitment and, you know, you had to pay people to edit and all that stuff. And we just didn't have the money at the time. Um, so that's what led us to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said, what can we do on a regular basis at a level that's acceptable to us and still stay in the space? And that's kind of how we settled out on it. And we were, again, we still were just like, hey, okay, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. And still kind of milling around and, and we never, you know, the, the motivation wasn't really there until we finally said to hell with it. Let's just do one and figure it out. And that's kind of how it, how it started. But it was really the goal was kind of just to stay in the space yep. so that if the IMG deal happened, that they would come scoop us up. And then that deal fell through. And then all of a sudden we were kind of out there on our own. And did you see the podcast getting as big as it is today? No, no. We, I mean, we thought like, we thought it would be really, really cool if we could get a million unique downloads in a calendar year. And we doubled that in less than a calendar year. Wow. Which is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had sponsors. We still have sponsors. Mm-hmm. Um, the response was, and still is, it's kind of mind boggling to me that people buy shirts and wear our stuff. And, you know, that was all Tommy's idea. I give him credit for wanting to have merchandise. Cause at the time I was like, why would someone buy a shirt with our logo on it? Like, that's just insane. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he wanted to do it. And I'm glad he did. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it was, it, it was kind of, it was certainly humbling and I don't think either one of us expected it. I thought we would get some people to listen just because there was an appetite for the stuff out there. Yeah. But I don't, neither one of us saw this coming, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it just showed that people are still hungry for that kind of content. They still want to mm-hmm. hear about the CrossFit games. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what we figured is that you, you had this whole audience, you know, you had millions of people who would, who would follow the, the CrossFit games on Facebook and you had hundreds of thousands of people, or I don't know how many more than that, I guess on Instagram. So there was clearly an audience for it. And you, the, the problem was, is like at the time when all that chaos happened, there was no like one authoritative voice that was putting out all this news. So we said, well, we've kind of done that. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that now? And, you know, through social media, we put the word out there and, you know, we recorded our first episode in Marston Sawyer's garage. <laughs> you know, that was our first yeah. episode. So and we just kind of bounced around where we recorded it and it started to get big. And then I remember Tommy said, Hey, these guys called us. They want a sponsor. I went, are you sure? <laughs> he goes, yeah. Sure? And so we, we got a couple of sponsors, um, you know, like Myoplex and Leopard Claw jumped on board early and we're you know, super thankful for those guys. And then you know, we got Whoop and we got Viore Clothing. They mm-hmm. came on board and you know, we've had O2 recovery drinks. All the, a lot of people have jumped on board and I'm super thankful for that. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's been crazy because I've had to keep like a budget. You know, I didn't think yeah. <laughs> I'm not qualified to do that. And <laughs> we had to keep track of money and stuff. And you know, we we're making plans to travel all of a sudden and now we're building a studio in my garage you know we have a set there in my garage where we're going to eventually have like video that we're going to put on youtube awesome. um so we'll have like a we'll, when we record our podcast we'll, we'll do a video element of it too so people can watch it on youtube but yeah we just i did not think we would get to this point and then so crossfit kind of decides they want to take focus away from the games and put it more into the crossfit health side what did you mm-hmm. what do you think about that and what do you think about the future of that going forward i think Philosophically, I agree with them. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to get a message out there that makes people healthier and fitter. I think that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Focusing on a population that is underserved. Uh, where I, the, where I, and I don't want to say, I guess the problem that I have is that if you are going to get that message out, you need to talk to people who aren't going to CrossFit.com they probably don't know CrossFitters. They probably don't know anything about fitness. They probably aren't online looking up anything about fitness. So how are you going to reach that group? And when they totally pulled the plug on all their social media, I know they're back now, but when they did that, I'm like, who are you talking to? How are you getting that message out? It's a great message, but you're not getting it out. You have to go outside the bubble. So I agree with the message of anything that can get uh, the decrepit or the, uh, the obese or, you know, people who are seriously, unhealthy, get them off the couch and moving and get them healthier. I am all for that. And I do, I think there is a case to be made that by solely focusing on the games and making that your, your, uh, most forward facing media, that that might intimidate some people and keep them out of the gym. I I think there is absolutely something to that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are a lot more people who are going to go to your gym after they see that. Like I know so many people who have found CrossFit because they saw it on ESPN or they, you know, they saw one of uh, the buttery bros documentaries that, and they wanted to go do it. And I felt that you could have 
that message could of health could be a little more effectively delivered if you piggyback it off of something that was had a great audience like the games did. For example, we had the you know those commercials that would run during the games, and I always forget her name. I think it's I think it's Candace, the woman who you know she was an elderly woman and she was in the gym and she was talking about how now I can tie my shoes and yeah. she was dragging a sled. Okay. I thought that was phenomenal. That kind of stuff got that drove that message home. Um, but I, I just. The, I agree with the message. I just don't agree with the way it's being put out because I just don't think anybody's going to find it. I don't know how people are finding it. You know, these people who need this, they are not going to gyms right now. They are not talking to healthy people. They have no idea what CrossFit is. So how do you get outside that bubble? You have to go on TV. You have to put people out there in front of the camera who get on local news shows or who get out, you know, get in the newspaper or get in, you know, local magazines, anything mm -hmm. that helps you get outside of your bubble. And that is just it's just not happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then how have you, I know a lot of people were upset when regionals went away, but like, do you like the sanctionals better now that they've kind of had a year or two to get going? I still think that the old system was the best just because every sport that people watch and you can choose it, NBA, NHL, um, football, whatever it is, it all has, they all have basically the same kind of structure and that's regular season playoffs championship and the field always narrows and they're, they are usually very easy to explain. You know, I, if someone who, who knew nothing about the NFL, I could probably explain the season structure to you in a couple minutes. Pretty mm -hmm. simple. The problem with this, the, the new system is, is that it doesn't mirror that progression. There's really no, you know, regular season playoffs championship. There's season championship and the qualification process of the games is very complicated complicated and very hard to explain to somebody it's very true so that's that's the the problem i have with the structure of the season right now now when you talk about the sanctioned events i think that the pieces are there with these sanctioned events to make something really good that gets close to that old structure because when you go i've been able to go to I don't want to say a ton, but some of the sanctioned events, you know, I went to the filthy 150 in Ireland, phenomenal event, mm -hmm. great event. Wadapalooza is, you know, one of the best events you're going to go to as far as atmosphere is concerned. Um, what else, which other one have I been to? The, oh, the mid Atlantic CrossFit challenge was, was great. So all these sanctioned events, Dubai CrossFit championship, unbelievable event. Mm -hmm. All of these sanctioned events are doing a great job of putting on a competition. And a lot of them are doing a really good job of putting on a great show. If there's a way to kind of mold this into a more understandable season structure to where you have open field narrows, sanction event, and that's how we get to the games, I think it can work. I think the pieces are there. I just think the structure right now under which everyone is working is not conducive to an understandable, easily accessible sport where someone who's not a fan or a hardcore fan can sit down and within two minutes understand what's going on. I think we need to get closer to that for this thing to really work. But I do think the pieces are there and I give the sanction events a ton of credit because they are, you know, that, that has definitely surprised me. Some of these sanction events are doing a really, really good job of putting on first class competitions. And do you ever see a day where the games is kind of gone and we move more toward like a golf structure where there's like major events and there's only the sanctioned events? You know, had you asked me, I got that question. I get that question a lot. Actually. Had <laughs> oh, you really? asked me that? Yeah. I, I tell people, if you had asked me that a year ago, were the games going to go away? I would have said, no, I think they're still going to do them. Now I am not as sure as I was then. And I think the reason is I just don't know how committed you know, CrossFit is to making sure the games are successful. I know other people outside the space are super committed to making sure that this sport is successful. And those are the people that I think that uh, we need to kind of put our faith in as far as keeping this, this season going. But I could see, I yeah, I could see a scenario where the games might not be the marquee event anymore. And now you, to your point, you do have, like maybe you have four majors that like the PGA Tour has. Mm -hmm. uh, five if you talk to the people in Jacksonville and they mention the players. But you, yeah, you could have like four major competitions where you have a season where it's points and then at the end of the season you crown whoever the champion is. Maybe. I don't know, but I think what's probably more likely is that something 
either someone takes over the games. I don't know if this is going to happen. I mean, this is just pure speculation on my point. Some, some person comes in and says, and Greg is willing to do it, says, hey, we'll take this over. We want to do this. You can still have a hand in it, but we're going to make it you know, X, Y, and Z. And then it becomes kind of a, the same but different, if that makes any sense. Okay. Uh, I'd still, I still think the season is the, the CrossFit Games and the, the season is best. Any season is the best when you have a buildup to one marquee event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listening to Greg talk a lot and stuff on podcasts and other things, I do not think he would ever agree to do that. No, I don't think control. I don't think. No, I think that's 100 percent true. So a lot of people are always saying, "Why doesn't Nike just come in and take it over?" Because they, a, first of all, they don't need it, and second of all, Greg's not going to let that happen. So that's why I think it might be more likely that maybe another couple of events pop up that overshadow the CrossFit Games, just because they can offer more money and they can offer you know a better experience, and and not that the Games is a bad experience, but Mm -hmm. who knows where this thing goes. And then, Sean, I know you just had a kid, and that's kind of your future right now and, and your present. Yeah. But uh, besides that and being a father, what else does the future hold for you? Um, well, I'm, gonna, I'm taking a little break from just going in places and working. Uh, in April, I'll be back out doing some stuff. So I'm going to go do the, the USA Collegiate Climbing National Championship for ESPN. So that'll be fun. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, I might be at the West Coast Classic uh, like later two this weeks, month. right? Yeah. A couple weeks, so I might be down there for a day or two. I'm trying to go down there and hang out with Tommy for a little bit. Uh, I'll do that one. I, I know for sure I'm doing the Rogue Invitational in May. Love that event. Yeah, that's a, that's a great event. Mm-hmm. Uh, super thankful to be part of that. I was actually today supposed to be at the Arnold Strongman Classic, but because of what yeah, that's crazy. On, yeah, had to stay here. Uh, Sam Farber's holding it down really nicely though for them. Uh, so let's see. After May, then the games will be in August. Yep. And then after that, I'm not sure, but uh, there might be some sanctioned events that I, I get involved with here later in the year. Um, I'm hoping so, because I love doing that. Uh, I know Tommy and I are going to try to continue to, to grow the podcast. Uh, I mentioned that we're going to do sort of a video element of it, um, where kind of, for lack of a better comparison, kind of Joe Rogan, our, our, our content where we video our podcast we put that out on youtube and cut it up a little bit so people can watch different segments and then we still have the audio version available for download we're yeah. looking at doing that uh hopefully be able to, to uh expand our content a little bit and do some more with uh with whoop one of our sponsors you know diving into the analytics of of uh some different events and, and different competitions super excited about that uh but yeah that's uh and just hoping that we can keep this train going because yeah. the the scary thing about this is that while it's been really fun to, to, to build the this, the podcast with Tommy and be part of some of these sanction events that we are ultimately dependent upon other people's success because we need, you know, we need these sanction events to be successful. We need the games to be successful. We still need this, this season and this sport to exist in order to do what we do. So now say hypothetically, you get two phone calls and you can only accept one of these jobs. ESPN right. calls and say they want you on Monday night football every week. You won't. Or what's the other one? Or Greg calls you up and says, "Hey, we're getting the gang back together. You're going to cover the CrossFit Games again. What do you? Oh what do you man! Do? Oh man! I don't know. Because <laughs> mm, I mean, Monday Night Football is a big gig. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I guess I've always. I mean, if that were the case, yeah. It, oh, I don't know. The Monday Night Football thing would be hard to turn down. Yeah. I've always <laughs> wanted to try. I've always wanted to do football, and I've never had a chance. Yeah. I'd probably have to take that one. Yeah, I could see that. And just hope that I could do some CrossFit stuff on the side. Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody ever told you, like, do people tell you all the time they like your voice? They do, and it kind of weirds me out okay, a so little this, bit. This gonna... I, just don't, I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. It's just, it's like, this is the way I've always talked. I'm around me all the time. Like, I don't, you know, I, the it was weird because I... The first time someone ever mentioned my broadcast, like, you should do broadcasting, the first time that ever happened, it was my sophomore year of high school. And at our homecoming rally, since I was one of the team captains on the football team, I was in charge of introducing the team at the rally. So, like, I was the guy at the mic and announced everybody's <laughs> okay. names. I've never done this before. And I remember my coach was kind of leery about letting me do it because I was a quiet kid. I didn't have, like, a very outgoing personality at the time. And it didn't say a whole lot during practice and tried to just lead by example. And I remember he came up to me after. He's like, he's like, man, Woodland, you you did great. I didn't think you were going to do a good job at that because you just don't talk a whole lot. But you, know, you ought to think about you – know, that's what he always talks super fast. Like, you ought to think about maybe you know doing broadcasting sometime, man. That was – wow, that was really good. And I went, oh, all right. Maybe I'll give that a whirl. And, but 
yeah, it's just, it's kind of strange to me that, yeah. that people say that. So, so this is going to weird you out even more, but the other day we were <laughs> I was sitting around with a group of people and we were like, talking about Siri or like what voice do you want? Someone's like Morgan okay. Freeman, all these voices. And someone goes, I want Sean Woodland on there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy, man. I don't know why someone would want to listen to me that long. But I guess you got a great I, voice. I'm, you know what? Honestly, it's, it's very humbling. And, and I'm honored when people say that to me because you know, it, it's nice to be, I mean, it's, it's considering the alternative it's it's something yeah. it's something really cool to hear from yeah. people and you know i'm i just love i do i love it when people say that to me it's very humbling and i'm always thankful but it's just i'm like i say to my wife i go is do you, do you really think i have a good like tv voice she goes yeah you yeah you do you know, but I'm like, really yeah because i listen to other like i i watch tv and watch you know listen to commentators all the time yeah. and i have my favorites i'm like man that guy sounds awesome yeah so so sean where can people uh find you learn more about you and learn more about the podcast uh, they can follow us on social media. We're all over social media. We have Talking Elite Fitness on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. There's not a lot on Facebook yet. We're Talking Elite Fitness on YouTube. We have a channel. Subscribe to that. Uh, that's going to be populated with more content soon. Uh, you can follow me. I am on Instagram. I'm at swoodland53. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, Twitter, but I really don't use Twitter that whole, that a lot. That whole lot. Um, and then, yeah, we have our Talking Elite Fitness website, talkingelitefitness.com. And then if you want to follow Tommy, he's on Instagram as well. I think he's at Tommy Marquez. I should know that. I don't, but he's easy to find. You guys will recognize him. Yep. Yeah, we're uh, and hit us up because we love we love hearing from people. I try to respond to all the messages I get, and I don't get a ton, so it's pretty easy for me to, to respond. Yep. But yeah, love hearing from people and love getting questions, and hopefully we can do it. You know, Tommy and I are talking about maybe do, starting to do a Q and A segment at some point. Very cool. Well, Sean, thanks a lot for joining me. I really appreciate the time. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me. That was fun. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope you enjoyed episode 115 of this show. We'll see you next time on the Up Before You podcast. Thank you and have a great day. 